Welcome to the second episode of the Questioning Everything podcast. What can we expect for the next four years? That is the episode, and here we are. And hello, Tane. So uh, I will probably cut this out of the actual episode when I edit this out. But how you doing, buddy? Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you so much. I know you guys don't celebrate it there in New Zealand, but... You, I appreciate you for tuning in as I record the second episode. So, where was I? The second episode of the Questioning Everything podcast. What can we expect for the next four years? With the announcement on Monday, November 24th, from General Services Administrator Emily Murphy, that President-elect Biden can begin the formal transition process, the end of this election and the Trump administration has officially been confirmed. And yet... On Wednesday, November 25th, at 4 p.m., President Donald Trump retweeted a tweet from TV personality Mike Chernovich. I don't know if that's how I say his name. I apologize if I butchered that. Claiming that, after today's Pennsylvania hearing, no person of good faith can claim this was a fair and free election. And just below it in blue uh, print and text. It has an icon that has a kind of caution exclamation point in a circle. And it says this claim about election fraud is disputed. I roll. While the battle for, um, while the battle for the White House seems to quietly rage on without the possibility of a faint win at the end of it, we must begin to grapple with the reality of a new administration and goals for the American people. Because QEP is nonpartisan, our goal for the next hour or so is to break down the Biden-Harris plan to determine what policies could potentially impact you. Sit tight, grab a tasty drink or treat, and let's get ready for the educational ride of our lives. Nerd alert! The core basis of the Biden-Harris plan is investing time and resources into the middle class. And if you're a fan of my my guy, Robert Reich, you're probably a fan of this idea. We have really failed as a country in the United States to properly invest in our middle class. And that is why the gap between the rich and the poor continues to grow. That is why during the recession um, that happened during the Obama years, the 99 versus the one percenters that Occupy Wall Street concept became to take take stronghold. And um, so essentially, Biden-Harris are proposing that to do that, they have to fix the tax code. They need to rebuild the manufacturing um, sector in the United States and provide immediate relief to small businesses who've been hit hard by the pandemic crisis. So let's start with talking about the tax code. Now, what I'm going to tell you is I am not an economic genius. And what my goal is, is eventually have to someone that it does have more of the economic know-how to break this down into economics for dummies levels. Hold tight, friends. But here's my attempt that is very shoddy. And I will share all of the sources that I use to get this information. The Biden-Harris plan is online. And I'm going to share the link for the Biden-Harris plan. There's, I'm going to share also the plan for the middle class, like the, um, the small businesses and you can check into it because it does matter for us because it is an opportunity to reinvest in our country, reinvest in the job sector and bring manufacturing back to the United States. Something that we really have desperately needed to do for many years. Now with the tax code, Biden Harris, his goal 
is to, or Biden's goal, is to promote a made in America, made in America future that is defined by bringing jobs and manufacturing back to America. To do this, Biden will establish a Biden offshoring tax penalty, a Biden made in America tax credit, and close all of the the Trump offshoring loopholes. Now, why does that matter to you? right? Well, it's all really matters is that whole bringing of manufacturing and jobs back to the United States side. You see one of the pinnacles or one of the the points of the Biden-Harris economics um, fight against Donald Trump and his loopholes during the tax code and the tax reform that he, he signed into law in 2017 was that there were loopholes that basically incentivized putting your jobs and assets for your company offshore. Now, Washington Post does a really great um, job of debunking this because while Biden has sort of, he's sort of on the right track, this issue is really, 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 really complex. I tried to read it. My eyes glazed over. The average American reading this thing would be like percentage mumbo jumbo. I don't know. I don't care. But here's what I'm going to try to do for my friends here. What I'm going to try to do for you is try to break it down, okay? So Kimberly A. Clausing, a tax expert at Reed College, basically told the Washington Post, the new law has two types of offshoring incentives that did not exist previously. This is the law that Trump signed into law, that this is what it it didn't have. The aforementioned GILTI, Global Intangible Low Taxed Income, and the FDII, the Foreign Derived Intangible Income, as well as the BEAT or BEAT, Base Erosion and Anti-Abuse Tax, were all a part of the tax law that Donald Trump signed into law in 2017. Now back to this. Now, the that aforementioned guilty law provision or guilty provision is more generous as you have more assets offshore, since the first 10% of assets is tax-free. Thus, Every dollar of real plant and equipment gifts you more, gives you more tax-free income. Also, a new foreign-derived intangible income deduction in the law applying to U.S. export sales is less generous. The more U.S. assets you have. In combination, those two provisions reward offshoring real investment and since real investment, since the guilty provision gives you tax benefits that increase with offshore investment and the FDII deduction is more generous as you have fewer U.S. assets. Now, I sincerely hope that made some sense. But if you want to look into it a little bit more, I'm going to provide you the links. And as I said, I am not a tax code economics kid. I don't know a lot of that stuff, but I will let smarter people lead the way. Now, my friend Tane, who's watching from New Zealand, has said the U.S. federal and tax state tax codes in, in is so complicated, and Trump did nothing to make it less complicated for regular people. It was always surprised at the fact my friends who are servers and bartenders had to complete such a complicated filing exercise every year. I totally agreed, Tane. And you you hit on a point. It is extremely confusing. It is extremely difficult for the average American to understand. I, I have two degrees that I had no business really getting. I didn't need to get those two degrees, but I got them. Can I understand the tax code? No. And I'm not even going to try. Okay. <laughs> Goodbye. Now. So 
going on. Thus, the Biden's plan, Biden's plan speaks to those firms that are able to take advantage of that incentive, while others that previously gamed the old system could be increasing their foreign tax burden under the new Biden plan. So it could work. It's so complicated. It's really hard to tell. If you really get a game in the system before, you don't really care about these provisions, these new things that have happened with the 2017 tax law. However, under the Biden plan, now it's really making it much more difficult for you to be incentivized to take any of these things offshore. Now, according to Biden-Harris, this plan helps build back up manufacturing in America, which went into recession in 2019 under the Trump administration. Now, this information, again, I'm going to share the information about the the recession of the manufacturing industry. Um, it, it was called a mild recession. The link to that I will share as well. In Biden-Harris's plan, he believes it also helps reshore jobs were supposedly lost under the the Trump tax incentive. So those jobs that were lost and went overseas, he's thinking they're going to come back. This includes bringing more manufacturing jobs back stateside, which will be important as the country rebuilds in the wake of a COVID-19 vaccine and flattening of the pandemic's rising curve. Because as we know, we have seen the cases are rising, hospitals are at capacity, we're in a state of crisis again. And now on to small businesses, which are a huge, huge, important part of helping us to rebuild the middle class, incentivizing, putting money back into small businesses and communities. So according to the Biden-Harris plan, which is called the Main Street plan, overhauling the, the payroll protection program um, to guarantee it, part of it is overhauling the payroll protection program to guarantee every Qualifying small business with 50 employees or fewer gets relief. So that's one part of it. And he's also paying attention to the minority-owned businesses, as was noted in several reports, which I have to go find. Minority-owned businesses were really, really given uh, the, the cold, shoulder, cold sh- shoulder during the initial first phase of the PPP or the Payroll Protection Program. That, that was a part of the COVID relief funding for small business owners. So expanding access to capital for new, another part of the plan is expanding access to capital for new and new and established small businesses by spurring over $50 billion in $50 billion in public private venture capital to entrepreneurs in disadvantaged communities by funding successful state, local, tribal, and nonprofit investment initiatives. Something to be thinking about. I'm starting a nonprofit. So this is like right up my alley, right? Encouraging private equity investment in businesses in disadvantaged areas by expanding the new market's t- tax credit to $5 billion yearly and making it permanent. Ooh, fancy. They're also going to be expanding access to $100 billion in low-interest business loans by funding state, local, tribal, and nonprofit lending programs in disadvantaged areas. Again, building up with the local community-based organizations, something that's near and dear to my heart. Another part of it is ensuring entrepreneurs in small towns and rural areas have access to the capital they need by expanding funding for the Rural Micro-Entrepreneur Assistance Program and increasing the number of rural business investment companies. Pretty cool. And they're expanding the role of community development financial institutions. Ooh, CDFIs. These are things that are growing. It kind of fits into, so before I, I'm a tangent off, I will read this whole part again, but 
CDFIs are feeding into this concept of the community development corporations, where essentially we take all of these different sectors, state, government, um, federal government, public, private sector, nonprofits, everyone comes together and essentially creates opportunities, grant opportunities, projects that allow for allow for a larger scope in terms of how much they're good they're able to do. And, and it increases the amount of good that they're able to do because now we're really focusing all of our resources and being more strategic about it. We're saying, hey, going region by region, the community in the state, that everyone knows which levers we need, what policies we need to advance this. We know how much funding we need to go do this. And everyone is willing to put in a portion of it so that we can get those things done for the community. And for instance, right now, as we are in this COVID crisis, we're seeing community organizations like CDFIs, as well as community foundations coming together and creating funds to support community organizations like tribal and nonprofits, local and state um, programs um, that are focused on supporting communities that have been the most impacted during this pandemic. And even were impacted before the pandemic. We, we know the pandemic just exacerbated that disadvantaged um, status for a lot of people. So as I was saying, expanding the role of community development financial institutions by increasing their direct funding and expanding their capacity to offer loans to startups and establish small businesses. Mm, Really, really, really going deep. Strengthening and expanding the Community Reinvestment Act to ensure that our nation's bank and non-bank financial services institutions are serving all communities. I like the language of this. I mean, it sounds great. It sounds like what this country is needed. Um, And a lot of people have said a lot of Republicans run on this similar um, concept of really reinvesting in our small businesses, in our communities. It's actually a concept that is really, I would say, bipartisan, Um, something that a lot of groups support and and can get behind. Is it going to happen? Are we really going to see things come to fruition based on this plan? I hope so. Now, the Biden-Harris plan also plans to make a historic commitment to equalizing federal procurement through their Build Back Better, Build Back Better recovery plan that features a $400 billion billion procurement effort designed to support small businesses and tackle inequities in the federal contracting system. Okay, interesting. Lastly, the Biden-Harris plan will level the playing field for all small businesses by enforcing laws and regulations to combat corporate power, promote competition, ensure markets work for everyone so that small businesses have a fair shot. I like this language. I'm going to say this again. So again, if you're, if you're, if you're following along with me, I am reading the Biden Harris plan. And if you hadn't, if you just joined me on this live version, you know what I'm going to do? I will edit this, but I'm going to just keep it as it is. So if you're listening at home and you're listening to the downloaded version of this later, um, right now it is 3.44 AM. It is the witching hour in the United States. I am recording this live on my Facebook live. So it's going to be recorded on there so you can watch along or you can go and and you can see what um who tuned in you can read the comments um but as i was saying that language and forcing laws and regulations to combat corporate power ooh progress people progresses when you hear that you love that that's a great 
combat corporate power, promote competition, great, and ensure markets for every, markets work for everyone so that small businesses have a fair shot. That's that's music to my ears. <laughs> Tani, you're such a dork, but I love it. That's why we're friends. Um, he said, I enjoy comparing the live with the edited version. Me too, actually. Is that, I do it too. I do it too. I'm a fan of the show. Sometimes I watch my clips and I'm like, wow, that's, I kind of like that person. And then I remember it's me. Is that vain? Some might say so. Is that self-love? I would say so. Ensuring military spouses. So this is the next part of the plan is ensuring military spouses have the full opportunity to start and grow their own businesses by providing micro grants. Ooh. Mentorship ooh, tech, and technical assistance through a military spouse entrepreneurship pilot program. Put that in your pipe and smoke it, you. Huh, but don't smoke, y'all. That's not good for you. Improving and in, improving and expanding the small business administration programs that most effectively support women and minority-owned businesses, especially those owned by women of color. Ooh, Biden. By damn, by Don. That's, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Y'all know I didn't vote for Donald Trump. And I'm not saying that I do not hate anyone that did. And again, this show is nonpartisan. If you voted for Donald Trump, come on to the show. Tell us what you, tell us about yourself. We welcome you. This is a no judgment free zone. <laughs> Time to get on the vein train. A toot toot. A toot toot. Yeah, I, um, I'm the conductor on the uh, vein train. Okay, y'all. Anyway, back to the story. So a lot of great stuff I'm seeing in this. I'm loving this. It feels like I'm just reading it myself for the first time, huh? I might be. Don't judge me. Increasing the funding and stature of the Minority Business Development Agency. Great. Unleashing the full potential of businesses owned by Black and Brown people and other disadvantaged businesses to participate in the global marketplace. Mm, I love it. Creating a national network of federally funded small business incubators. Ugh. I'm talking about it. Yes. Establishing an intensive semester long business development program at every public community college in the United States, as well as two year HBCUs, TCUs and MSIs. Now, y'all, I don't know what TCUs or MSIs are. So and that was what was in the um, plan. So we now we got to look that up. What is a TCU? We're looking it up, friends. What are TCUs? Tribal colleges and universities, y'all. We just got educated. Tribal colleges, English. Tribal colleges and universities. Those are what TCUs, y'all, are. And we're going to look at what MSIs are. Minority-serving institutions. Y'all, I just got mad educated today. I've never said TCUs or the shortening for the phrase. So tribal colleges and universities and minority serving institutions. Again, they're using great language in this. So where, what was that section? It said at a, at, they're establishing an intensive semester long business development program at every public community college in the United States, as well as two year HBCUs, which are historically black colleges and universities tribal colleges and universities, and minority-serving institutions. Gotta love it. Employing the resources of the federal government to protect Native artisans. Mm. Love it again. Look, on Thanksgiving Day, look at what look at what I'm reading, y'all. Giving small businesses a tax break for starting a retirement plan and giving workers the chance to save at work. Y'all, 
y'all, can we get this done? This is actually ways that are going to help every American. This is not a democratic, socialist, crazy, you know, everyone wants to say, oh, progressives are going to start their socialism. We're already in socialism, guys. Welfare, do you not remember that thing called welfare? Did you not remember that thing called like OSD, you know, uh, old age, uh, security, disability, um, income, all of these things are, they're, they're, you're paying into them, they're yours to an extent, but it's also a little bit of the government trying to help you at the same time by saving for you to help you um, be able to do something to help yourself when you can no longer physically work, right? So uh, one of the last things that says here um, is opening the door for asset managers owned by black and brown people by ensuring that federal government-led investment pools including pension funds and endowments, allocate their assets in a manner that reflects the diversity of the country. Guy, I mean, y'all, I have, I don't see a single thing wrong with anything on here. Uh, I don't know if anyone else did. Is anyone feeling, is anyone seeing anything wrong here? Uh, I didn't. I, I, you know, I wanted to just share this because I know a lot of people are busy. You, you're Either you're doing remote working, you first to go back to remote schooling for your kids. Maybe you're just struggling to get through a day right now. And you all you got is really just you can look through your social media. I get it. Um, this has been a trying time. Um, if you ever get a chance and you're an R&B fan, you're, um, you love soul voices, go listen to the song Trying Times by Roberta Flack. Um, as a matter of fact, as part of the Questioning Everything podcast efforts to get our name out there, name recognition, we're doing this thing. Um, myself and myself and the um, and my co-host Robin Thick is we are creating playlists on Spotify, and um, I will share the name. Like we'll list out the playlist for you all, and I'm just gonna warn you guys. Okay, you know I am walking my faith walk, but I'm not gonna lie. I love ratchet music. I like rap music. I love like gangsta rap. I like just raunchy ratchet music okay i do sue me for liking music that ain't right for some people to listen to without their parents or without um, a parental advisory sticker okay why sue me i'm is it so wrong to like gangsta rap um i do and um i'm gonna make a playlist and i'm gonna include roberta flack so that was a whole long tangent of craziness but i am going to include roberta flack on that because trying times is how i feel right now and i'm goodness why don't we do i love i love a good researching on the internet with friends we're gonna look up when roberta flack sang that song originally 1969 my friends roberta flack sang this on the album first take she released it in 1969 i'm a huge soul fan so if you love good soul music and you're looking for songs that literally just uh, 51 years ago y'all 51 is it 51 years ago or 60 51 years ago y'all 51 years ago Amen to the Roberta Flack, bruh. You know what I'm saying? I love Roberta. And she done captured my heart with this one. So anyway, um, back to the story. Well, I, I didn't see anything wrong. 
building up in the middle class is actually everything that I that is big to me. One of the things that got me excited about starting the Questioning Everything podcast, as I've mentioned, was that I felt like we needed more discourse between individuals like you and me. We see LeBron James, we see Barack Obama, all wonderful people. You know, I love hearing pundits. I watch CNN. I like Rachel Maddow. I like you know, uh, hearing what the the Bill O'Reilly type characters got to say, the Tucker Carlson's of the world. I love hearing what everyone's talking about. But do I have a lot of stock in the things that do I put a lot of stock in what they say? Hell to the no, I do not. And I wanted this podcast to be an opportunity for us to just talk and feel comfortable and have a safe space. And I'm still working on the guidelines, which I'm supposed to have for you guys. I mean, they're really simple. Actually, I think I did make them. Did I? I might have made them in my sleep. I made them in my sleep. I didn't really make them. These, this is what happens when you're, you're thinking about work all the time. And then you start to really like you dream about it. So then you start dreaming about doing things you didn't do. So that's what's happening right now. But um, anyway, as I digress, we got to build up the middle class. And that is what he's talking about. Biden-Harris Biden and and Vice President Harris are talking about in this plan. So I'm going to share the link to the plan for all of you all to go check it out. I want us to talk through it. I want us to have an opportunity to say, you know, what do we agree with? What do we think is missing? What could we be doing better in this? I mean, this is just, this isn't a comprehensive plan. We know the next four years is going to be touch and go. Things have changed in um, a lot of ways in this country. Um, Things have been revealed about a lot of people's belief systems and values. And so we're going to see a lot of different things that are going to be cray cray in the next couple of months um, to four years. And I'm excited for it all. Um, But I'm also energized because now we have an open forum through the Questioning Everything podcast where we can talk through policy opportunities, um, get the vote out opportunities, voting drives, anything we can do to support the community and activating their voice and make, well, not, not even activate, well, yeah, activating their voice because they have a voice. It's not as if we, we have to give it to them. They have a voice. You know, one of my least favorite words within the nonprofit world and nonprofit spaces, empowering people to do blah, 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 blah. No, you're not empowering anyone. These people have that power within. You are helping them unleash that power. You're helping them unlock that power. And so um, in a similar way, I want the Questioning Everything podcast to be a way for you to feel energized and activated and feel like, you know, I don't want to be a politician. I don't want to get too deep into the weeds of politics, but I do care about policies and decisions that impact myself, my children, generations, my leisure activities. You know, I'm a water enthusiast. I love going out into the water. I love going hiking. I love being in nature. And some of the policies that I'm going to be really paying attention to over the next four years are what we're doing to mitigate climate change. What are we doing to um, 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 uh, to uplift climate resiliency and, and to prepare communities for the changes that are lie ahead? And then what are we also going to do to try to curb some of these changes, these man-made changes that are causing our waters to, to warm, causing the climate and the entire environment to warm? Um, 
So there's just, there are a lot of things that I'm going to be paying more attention to. And I'm not really focused on Republican or Democrat. I'm focused on what policy is going to help my, my community the most. And my community is the world community, the community, the global community, but you know, also the regional community that I'm a part of. I live in the Chesapeake Bay region. And so I'm going to be focused in on the Chesapeake Bay region. And the Chesapeake Bay region is home to over 18 million people. It touches parts of New York. Uh, Pennsylvania, uh, Virginia, West Virginia, Maryland, D.C., uh, Delaware. I mean, it goes deep. The, de- the, the the Chesapeake Bay region is far and wide and everything that affects it is going to be important to me, especially what we're going to be doing to protect our fisheries, our water sports enthusiasts like myself, our bay communities, those individuals that are living closer to the sea level, that our entire livelihoods and homes could be washed away with one bad storm, one bad hurricane. So this whole rant essentially was me just trying to implore people to get tuned in. And I know that it's hard. So that's why I created the Questioning Everything podcast. We're going to do the hard work for you. (laughs) And it keeps me educated on my toes too. But we're going to make everything as easy to understand as possible. And if you didn't understand something, tell me what you didn't understand and how we can make it more accessible. Because that's a big deal to me is accessibility. I want you to feel, I want this to be an inclusive environment, a no judgment free zone, and a place where we can all just get along. Yeah, no, but seriously, I think we can do it. Anyway, I thought this episode was going to be mad long. Biden-Harris plan was pretty succinct. They didn't use a whole lot of big words that I had to go look up. So great. I had my dictionary on deck. Merriam-Webster dots com. I was ready to do all the looking ups. I'm not going to play with y'all. I have a great vocabulary, but there's still some words. Tane, I believe you used one of those words on me and it was the word that caused a, 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 a whole sensation last year for me. So I don't know if you guys remember, I think, no, was it wasn't last year. Was it, was it two years ago? Might've been two years ago, two years ago, two, 2018. So I don't know if you know Samantha B. She used to be on uh, The Daily Show. Funny, funny chick. She's married to one of the guys that was on The Daily Show as well. He's a funny actor as well comedian um but samantha be on her show um she she it was when melania when all the kids were in cages and melania wore that jacket that said i don't care i don't really care do you i said that on the back of it and um so samantha b i believe this i think this is what this story happened and samantha b essentially called her a feckless I'm going to spell the word because I know I'm trying to not be bad, but it's see you next Tuesday. C-U-N-T. She called Melania a feckless. See you next Tuesday. But feckless is the actual word that I'm talking about in this whole conversation, in this little story. Because Tane on this call, on this video, this live, used feckless the other day when I was chatting with him. And I was like, oh, feckless. A word I had to look up with my sister. We all looked it up when we watched the Samantha B episode. We were like, what does feckless mean? Look, y'all, we we're edumacated and whatnot. And I don't need to, I don't need to tell y'all, I don't need to prove my edumacation to you. But I did not know what feckless meant until that incident happened. So with that, I conclude the Questioning Everything podcast and open the floor to all of you to interact with this episode. Send me your questions. I will do a follow-up. 
I will definitely do a follow-up. If you have questions, you've got things that you want to talk about, you're really still pissed off about the election. You still think the Democrats stole it from, from Donald Trump. The liberals stole it from Donald Trump. Come call me. Call me. I want to talk. I want to chat with you. I want you to have a, play, a, cha- a place to feel comfortable and speak. And no one's going to jump down your throat. It's all about respect and guidelines and just being decent human beings to each other. And we all deserve to have our chance to say what we want to say, right? Provided that it's within respectable reason, right? Anyway, Tane, I'm always, it's always a pleasure. You're such a great support. I love you. I wish I was in New Zealand right now. What is it? What, what weather is it? Is it warm right now? Are you still on this? I'm going to wait for Tane to text if he's, if he's still paying attention to me. <laughs> Tane, I'm going to add you. Do you want me to add you to the call? <laughs> Thanks, my love. I love you. Thank you. Yeah, we need to do a we need to do a, an episode, Tane. What would we do as our episode? Would we just would we have all of the stupid characters you make? <laughs> Not stupid. Uh, uh, Frugal Dougal. Frugal Dougal is the only character I actually remember. Oh, summer and it's warm and hot. I love it. Mm, but it doesn't get does it get that hot? Like, what's the hottest it can get, Tane? Can it get to like L.A. in the valley or you know Gainesville swampy heat? <laughs> they better be. And bring Jade. I want Jade along. Sustainable Steve. That son of a bee sting. Tell Sustainable Steve he can come on down. <laughs> you know, I have a fun story. I um, Cursing has been an issue for me most of my life, right? So when I was in high school, I went to Elizabeth Seton High School, the same high school as Muriel Bowser, and the D.C.'s mayor. Uh, but it actually did. It just sent me a 60-year anniversary uh, video or a uh, little book, and she's in it. Um, but uh, at my at my high school, um, I used to be on the tennis team. I was on the varsity tennis team. I was not a great player, but I I had a lot of I I sounded like I was a great player because I'm like, uh, 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 you know, just doing all the noises and then cursing like a sailor, but not cursing cursing. But I was using replacement words, right? So you know, fudge was a good one. Uh, shiitake mushrooms. I use that a lot. Uh, dingleberries, dog on it, darn it, sugar snaps, um, Jiminy Willikers, um, jumping Jehoosaphat. I mean, I had a whole bunch. I actually had quite a nice uh, lexicon, a nice database of uh of substitutions for four-letter words you're welcome tane i know you just enjoyed that that little bit of a tangent i just gave you about young gauze and her foul potty mouth even as a 16 17 and 18 year old yeah yeah i'm working on it you know i'm kind of thinking i might make it into a like a you know a savings thing like every time i curse i'll put like a dollar into a piggy bank or something force me to save money and also stop you know, maybe maybe it'll make me not curse, or maybe I'll I'll do it, and then I go buy myself shoes because that's my new favorite thing to do during the pandemic. That's my retail therapy is I just purchase endless shoes. Oh, Tane, Tane, all right, Tane, I'm gonna leave unless you want to get on get in on this live and we do a live together. What do you say for old times' sake? <laughs> As if we're like the Lethal Weapon <laughs> duo in like a in a buddy cop movie. One more time. Should we get should we get on this thing one more time? Do it for old time's sake. I think he oh my gosh, my third is almost sleeping.
He's mad at me because I won't refill his food. But he's like, you know, I'm trying to keep him healthy. I hope I'm not starving him. They told me only put a quarter of a cup to feed him every day, right? That can't be, can't be wrong. I might have to email that lady like where I bought the bunny from. I guess adopted him. Like it's adopted technically. Whatever. I paid for a bunch of gear for him. I don't know if that paid for him, but he's a good kid. It's a good bunny boy. Whoa, you're kidding, Tane, for real? So Tane just wrote, and I'm, you know, I'm going to keep all this on. Tane just wrote, one thing, how weird is it that New Zealand doesn't celebrate Thanksgiving, but we have Black Friday sales and Cyber Monday. Did anyone else know that New Zealand had Cyber Monday and Black Friday sales? This thing just blew my mind. What? Dang. Capitalism. Bernie, Bernie, Bernie. I want to like email Bernie Sanders. Bernie, did you know? Did you know it got to the, it got to the Kiwis? got to New Zealand. <laughs> well, capitalism is going strong. I mean, let's let's keep it real. But wow, man. I can't believe you guys do that and you don't celebrate the holiday, but you're you're getting you're getting all the deals and and you you do the deals in New Zealand. Like you got like there's an advert or advertisement that says like from a, a business in Australia in uh, New Zealand that's like, "Oh, Black Friday sale." Tane wrote, Thanksgiving is a great celebration, but we don't get it just the sales. We don't get it just the sales. It's all good in time for good in time for the Christmas Xmas. Yeah, of course. I mean, the sales are great. I'm about to go take hold of a couple of those sales myself. Dude, telling you, love me a good deal. Yeah, man, those things are bomb. My friends just got me into Rakuten. Is anyone into Rakuten? I will also do a sponsorship for Rakuten. I don't mind. I'm selling. I'm I'm selling myself out. Willing to do sponsorships for any anything to get money for this podcast so we can improve our our work our our situation. Yeah. Ah, oh, all right, Tani. I'm I'm actually tired as hell. It's 4 a.m. in the United States. I'm gonna go to sleep. I'm going to wake up and edit this episode. And then I'm going to before I leave, I will I will do Tane this solid. He asked the question: What are your helpful? Hints for surviving Black Friday sales. Helpful hints. All right. So my helpful hints, because one of the things that I might have mentioned in my re- one of the lives I did like last Friday, I mentioned that one of my my goals in life is to be a professional fundraiser when I like, you know, I'm, I'm aged out of like working hard type stuff. You know, I'll just like guide people to clean out hoarders houses. And um, so I'm all about making sure whatever you purchase is something that you're going to use regularly, that you're not going to use it and then forget about it. And it's like gone. So what I did recently was that I took one of my boxes that I have literally not opened since I moved back into my parents' home for two years. So two years ago. So I opened it. I was like, I've not used one of these pairs of shoes. Everything had to go. And I just got rid of the whole box. Um, And so when you do these Black Friday de- deals and sales, make sure that A, you've done your comparisons. So the deal that you're getting is the best deal possible. That that has to, you know, that has to be one of the key important parts of this. Two, you have to make sure that what you're getting is something that you're actually gonna use. 
Okay, so don't be wasteful. We got to reduce all of the crap we're buying, okay? So if you're going to go buy something, make sure you're going to utilize it. And let me tell you this, if you don't touch it, look at it in six months, even or unless it's a seasonal product, right? Because I have like a seasonal heater or a space heater. I have a, you know, a heated blanket. Unless it's a seasonal product, if you will not use it for with, within six months of purchasing it, don't buy it. Then my last... My last idea is um, make sure it's sustainable if you can at all. I have a really crazy goal that I'm going to share with you all. I have a lofty goal of becoming plastic free by 2023 because it rhymes. And I want to try to be very lofty over the next couple of years. And also part of the human movement, the human movement owns Trash Free PGC, the website. So we're going to start a trash-free PGC campaign. I can't wait to share that more with you. We actually have a walk. We want to do a 5K next year, a spring 5K, and a cleanup that's going to include um, uh, an homage to Earth Day and um, Arbor Day. And we're also going to do something that's going to benefit water, clean water access and protection. And it's essentially we want to do like a whole, it's going to be a whole great thing. I don't want to reveal too much because then someone might steal my damn idea. But plastic free, but plastic free by 2023. So yes. So those are my three suggestions. Make sure that you're finding the best deal. Two, make sure that you're going to use it. Three, make sure that it's sustainable. It's something that you can at least recycle. Or if you don't get to recycle, that you're going to have get a lot of good use out of it at least. So, and remember that plastic free by 2023. <laughs> I'm delirious now, Tony. I've been up for over 24 hours. I think I woke up around this time yesterday. So I got to go baby cakes. It has been real questioning everything friends i love you guys thanks for tuning in whoever stopped by on my live you're a gem i love you tantane tane do not buy that sing- no a single use toaster is not a good idea it's not a goodbye he asked if a single use toaster is a goodbye tane all right tane much love my friend say hello to your beautiful wife She's a lovely lady. I miss her. I miss you too. Can't wait to see you guys again. And yeah, we should do another FaceTime soon. Let's do that. Bye.